You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello and welcome to Six Figure Dog Business on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Ty Brown of SixFigureDogBusiness.com. Now this is the show where we teach you how to start or grow your dog-related business to a healthy six-figure profit per year. Now today on the show I'm really excited because we've got a really special guest that, uh, that I think a lot of you know and you know his company. He's Keith Benson. He's the president of Triple Crown Dog Academy, Inc. And uh, he's going to be on the show today talking how to grow a dog business. He's got some really great information with us. So stay with us. When we come back, we're going to have Keith Benson of Triple Crown Dog Academy, Inc. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From ski drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition. This is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, and we're back. And uh, with us today, we've got Keith Benson. He's the president and chief operating officer of Triple Crown Dog Academy, Inc. How are you doing today, Keith? I'm doing great, Ty. Uh, thanks for having me on the show here. Real proud to be here. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show. We're really excited. Uh, you guys are obviously a standard in the industry. You guys have done some amazing things. And we've got your bio. And for those that, uh, that are interested in more about Keith, you can go to PetLifeRadio.com. Uh, we've got a biography of Keith on there. But what I wanted to just ask you first is just how did you get into this? How did you become a dog trainer? How did you get into the dog industry? What's your background? 
You know, I started off when I graduated from uh, university with a degree in psychology. I was a psychometrist. I did psychological testing, particularly in a forensic field. So we were doing a lot of court cases and even competency to stand trial for execution cases. And it was uh, very interesting. But when I got home from work every day, I had a little Australian cattle dog that uh, that's where I like to focus my attention. And I I had a professional trainer I took him to. He was an Australian cattle dog, so he was a little bit sharp and uh, had some uh, minor aggression issues that we were working through. And I just kind of got bit by the bug of uh, working uh, working with that dog and the relationship that we built with one another. And it was just amazing to me. Um, you know the, the the things that you could teach uh, teach an animal, and and I had the experience in the background from experimental psychology and in the operant and classical conditioning, and being able to apply that to uh, to my companion and uh, fostering that relationship was pretty incredible. So, I took a leave of absence from my uh, position there as a in the psychology field and went to uh, study with a with a group of people out there in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and did that for about six months, kind of an internship program on being a uh, dog trainer and thought that maybe that's wanted to do uh, what I wanted to do as a professional career and when I graduated from that program I uh, worked with uh, local law enforcement training some uh, narcotics dogs and dual purpose dogs and at that point it kind of geared up and thought that maybe I was going to go on to uh, back to grad school but I got a call from a fellow in Tucson Arizona who had just started Triple Crown Dog Academy and uh, went out there and spent some time with him, and he told me about the vision of what he was wanting to create. And we were, like I said, in Tucson there. It's a very small operation, had six kennels in his backyard. Um, but I really, um, gosh, you know, he just really, the, the vision that he had for creating a, a wonderful place for, for people and their dogs and an educational institution was something that sounded like uh, I really wanted to do. So uh, make a long story short, about 10 days later, I, I'd moved out there, and I was um, his second employee there in Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> That's kind of how we got started in the business, and literally we were a a mom-and-pop type place. Uh, Six kennels in his backyard is how we started out. So you've been with Triple Crown since the beginning, then, it sounds like. It's been uh, about 15 years. Uh, Rob Dunn, who is now a director in our academy and our senior VP of training, uh, he was the first employee. I was the second employee, and Jesse Gabriel who is also a senior VP uh, in our training department there. She's the third employee. So the four of us have been here pretty much since the beginning. Oh, wow, that's neat. And like I say, for those that are listening to this, if you're a dog trainer in the dog industry, if you haven't heard of Triple Crown, you will. You know, because you, you, know, you guys host so many different conferences and so many different events. You've got this great facility out there in Texas. And so you guys are you know, one of the gold standards for dog training. So it's, it's excellent what you guys are doing out there. And that's why we wanted to have you on the show. Because obviously this is a show about teaching dog business owners how to grow their business. And so we want to learn from people that have grown big, big businesses like you guys. And so, so I wanted to get into that. Like I say, uh, and first of all, I wanted to preface this by saying you guys are uh, primarily in the business of training dogs and dog products and things like that, uh, dog training products. But I want to preface this. If you're a pet sitter, if you're a dog walker, if you're a dog groomer, whatever you're doing in the dog industry, what we're going to talk about today is going to relate with what you're doing because a lot of these business principles kind of transcend this specific industry. And, you know, they, they're marketing in general, but very much marketing for dog-related or pet-related businesses. And so there's a couple areas that I know that you guys really stand out with that I know that you 
you personally teach about. And one of them I want to talk about with you, Keith, is business structure. You and I were actually speaking off the air a while ago, and we were talking about business structure. And I realized when we were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of things that I don't know that I probably should learn from you guys about how to structure a business. Now, we need to say that you're not a CPA, you're not an attorney, and so this isn't to be construed as you know that type of advice. But I wanted to talk with you about business structure. Maybe this is a general question, but what can you tell us about business structure? What do you recommend to your people about how to structure their business? Well, and, and you mentioned this, Ty, right when you started the topic here. And I typically advise our students here in the academy that uh, it's well worth their time to spend an hour with an attorney, uh, talk about their risks and liabilities that they've got, talk about the services that they want to provide to try and decide which type of business structure is best for them, best for their family, best for the assets and protection of the assets that they've got, what matches up with um, you know the resources that they have at hand to start the business. But okay. that being said, I can tell you that in our industry, you know, there's typically about four different types of business structures that we'll uh, go over with our students. The two most common, and these are the ones that we see when our students graduate from the academy here, these are the two that most of those students would enter into their first business with, would one, be a sole proprietorship, or to be a partnership. And kind of the really neat thing about both of those business entities and those business structures is they're really easy to set up. They're really easy to start. Um, as a sole proprietor, for example, you get all of the profits. Uh, there's no corporate taxes. Um, mm-hmm. Everything's passed through to your individual returns, so it's, it's pretty easy to do. Uh, all you have to do in your state is uh, file a DBA, and that's doing business as, and whatever your business name is going to be. And hopefully a little bit later on we'll get to talk about naming a business because we've got some hard-knock stories. I can tell you a lot of this is learning from <laughs> experience here over the years and uh, things you learn in being in business and um, naming your business is a pretty important. But do a B- DBA with a business name that you've come up with. If you're going to have employees, um, you do an SS4 with the IRS, a very simple form. You can do it online. You can uh, do their fax back system where they fax you the form and you fax it in. And then depending on the service or the commodities that you're going to sell, if you're going to be selling leashes and collars and things like that, um, depending on the state you're in, there's probably going to be sales tax on those items. So you just need to uh, file uh, for a sales tax number, sales tax number with the uh, comptroller. Um, gosh, other than that, I mean, you're, you're off to the races and uh, ready to get your business started. You know, there's a little bit of cons associated with a sole proprietorship. Mm-hmm. Um, you're responsible for all the debts. If, if you incur a lot of debts in that business, you know, just like the profits, they get passed through, uh, so do the debts. They're going to get passed through to you. Um, liability protection is one of the big things that people think about going into a sole proprietorship. So if I had a lot of assets, if my family had a lot of assets, and I was entering into a business where there was the likelihood of me being sued by a client, and that's happened in our industry, in the dog training industry, in the sure. grooming, and the pet sitting, you know, dogs are living, breathing animals, and, and accidents can happen. Um, of course, you you know, you really got to be concerned with something that, uh, you know, if it was a real wrongdoing on the part of the, uh, of, the of the business owner that caused the death of the animal, but. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there could be a lot of potential liability there. So you're, you're, you're definitely liable. You know, your protection, your assets isn't that strong with sole proprietorship, and, and you're a little bit limited to growth. And in the event that um, you're no longer there, then the business dies. It can't be passed along. Mm-hmm. Typical bullet points. So what, uh, you know, what would be the benefit then of, a, of an LLC or actually incorporating? Well, you know, let me let me knock out partnership real quick because corporations and LLCs are definitely have their benefits. And I'll say partnership because we see in our academy here, 
two or three people will kind of get together. They'll strike a, a chord, a relationship in the academy and go, gosh, you know, what are you doing when you graduate? Well, I'd like to go start my own business. Well, me too. Maybe, you know, we could start a business together. And lo and behold, they go out and they start off a partnership with one another. Very okay. similar to a sole proprietorship. Um, only thing is really the division of the work. You know, all the paperwork's pretty much the same, but uh, you're dividing the, that, um, the work up between uh, the partners, that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing because maybe Susie is really highly motivated and she's going to be out there setting up the books and doing the marketing and doing the training and Johnny likes to do nothing more than sit on the couch and dream <laughs> up you know, what they can do with the business. So we've seen that with uh, graduates where they get out there and start a partnership and I think when you start a partnership you just really have to consider um, comparable work ethics. Uh, of the person you're getting there. And I also counsel our students to get everything in writing. Get down, you know, what is my responsibility going to be? What's your responsibility? Mm -hmm. If I'm doing the books, then are you doing the marketing? And who's cleaning the kennels? And who's bathing the dogs if we don't have employees? Who's responsible for hiring employees? Who's responsible for firing employees? The things that you don't really think about when you start the business because, you know, you think this person's great. Maybe you've never done business with them before, but things can really change when you get in that heated, fast-paced environment, especially in the dog industry because typically we don't have 50, 60 employees. It's, it's people wear a lot of different hats and do a lot of different things, mm -hmm. and it can be very, very stressful. So corporations and the LLC is pretty interesting on those. Corporation in particular, uh, it's a little bit more expensive to get set up, and um, I, I definitely you're going to want to have an attorney. There, there, you can do this online. There are places where you can go online and do that. But I typically would counsel folks to uh, invest a little bit of money, make sure you're getting the right corporation set up for you because it gets pretty complex. There's C corps, mm -hmm. there's sub S corps, um, and each one has a little bit different nuance in the way that your company is taxed, and even the way that. Maybe there's no taxation in the company. It's just passed through on to the individual, kind of like a sole proprietorship. But the biggest benefit of the corporations and even the LLCs, the limited liability companies, um, are the fact that um, your your assets are better protected with the corporation. You know, there's that concept of piercing the corporate veil, where you mm -hmm. can even punch through the corporation and get to the individual owners. But um, I, I'd say that that's kind of rare, and depending on the state you're in, like in Nevada in particular, the, uh, the owners of the business have a lot more uh, protection in the event that uh, something went wrong in the business. Their personal assets are better protected. So with the corporation, for example, if somebody wanted to sue you or you had to bankrupt your business for whatever, your personal stuff stays safe. I mean, I guess there's, there's caveats and whatnot, but in general, in general that's what's going to happen with a corporation, right? That's correct because the corporation is is actually considered a legal entity of their own. You know that okay. corporation can buy property. That corporation can sue someone. That corporation can be sued, and that's completely separate from the individual who owns that. You know the one time where you might see that piercing of the corporate veil would be if the owners of that business, the owners of that corporation, had just done something really just unethical <laughs> or harmful to another person you know, with malice and, and forethought. And so this would be, you know, somebody that's thinking they might want to start a daycare center, and so they're going to need to have a lease. You know, would it be better to do a corporation, or would it be better to do a sole proprietorship, in your opinion, I guess? You know, in, in my personal opinion, and because we've kind of we started off a little bit like a sole proprietorship, but quickly moved into a corporation, we saw the benefit of being incorporated pretty quickly. And this does get kind of heavily into taxes and things like that, which really vary upon the individual. But just from the fact that you're really limiting your your 
personal exposure through the business there and any assets that you might gain. Um, if you have the funds to, you know, counsel with an attorney and spend five hundred, eight hundred, maybe up to a thousand dollars or so to get that corporation started, I would highly recommend the corporation for folks or even the uh, limited liability company, which offers the pass-through taxation. You get your liability and asset protection. Um, the debts are uh, owned by the business, not personal. Um, kind of a neat thing about a limited liability company as well, as opposed to the partnership, if you're thinking of going out and opening up a business with a partner, um, if you opened up an LLC, you can actually separate the profit and the losses. Those can be allocated differently than the ownership. So even though okay. one person may own 70% and one person may own 30%, the division of the um, of the revenue doesn't have to be a 70-30 split. If there's one person, the 70% person, he owns 70%, well, maybe he actually or she spends 90% of the of the work effort. You know, that's their responsibility. Well, you can make the compensation different than 70-30. So that's kind of a unique thing about a limited liability company as well. And again, a lot of these things vary, do vary from state to state. So getting a professional uh, opinion on that is always a very good idea. Okay. And you mentioned it earlier. You can start as one thing and then you can morph into another, right? You guys started as a sole proprietorship and turned into a corporation. So for those that are just barely getting started, it may not be a bad idea to just do a sole proprietorship. And then as their business grows, as they see that they're having more liability, as you know, they're, they're expanding their reach, then maybe go into a corporate structure, or then maybe go into an LLC. Is that Kind of maybe how you recommend to your people? Yeah, absolutely. They're, you know, starting off as a sole proprietorship, the majority of small businesses in the U.S., that's how they get started, particularly, you know, your dog trainers and your groomers and your dog walkers and uh, folks mm-hmm. uh, in our industry there. Uh, and then as you're seeing the potential for business growing and maybe you need to uh, develop a, a, a business structure where you can raise more capital, maybe you want to bring in a partner. Uh, then you can start looking at uh, your corporations and your LLCs and the, and the, and the different uh, nuances that each one of those has and how it can apply to your business. Okay. Well, this is good to hear because I started as a sole proprietorship and then I'm and then I turned into a corporation a couple years ago and a lot for the reasons that you mentioned. I wanted to be able to raise money and I knew that I could raise money better as a corporate. Uh, entity rather than a sole proprietorship. I wanted to reduce my liability and all sorts of things. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm breathing a sigh of relief here that I'm not as dumb as I thought I might have been. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, a lot so. of people, you know, they, they get started off in that sole proprietorship and it's all great. But, you know, the, the partnership is the one that I see bring, bring businesses down because people get into it with their, you know, kind of rose-colored glasses on. And for the first mm-hmm. few months, the business is great. But once things really get up, started and running, um, you know, there can be those um, arguments and the stress just brings on uh, uh, things you didn't have in a relationship before you got started in a business with one another. So, again, just to emphasize, if you're going to do that and start off like that, it's fine, but get everything down on paper on whose responsibility is what. Right, maybe even a checklist of every single task you think might happen, like you mentioned, bathing the dog, uh, doing the taxes at the, you know, at certain times during the year, you know, every single thing, put it on a checklist so that it is very clear if somebody's pulling their weight or not pulling their weight, right? Absolutely. You know, and another thing that needs to be considered in that, that uh, partnership is uh, what happens when uh, one of the partners decides that they're going to go do something else. You know, this mm-hmm. career isn't what I thought it was going to be. What happens to the business? You know, does sure, he, uh, or dies or, or anything like that, die? right? Or is there a way to pass it on to the other person? And you might actually need a little legal counsel on that, and it might need to be some document and agreement that's, that's drawn up on what happens if one person pulls out. 
Okay. Well, excellent information. So when we come back, we're going to go to a break right now. When we come back, I want to actually switch gears and talk about a completely different subject that almost every dog trainer I know wants to know about, but almost none of them do. And so stay with us. We're going to be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. your dog some thought with dog thoughts it's the iphone application that everyone's talking about what do you think of this a man in davis california says he's invented an application for the iphone that claims it can read your dog's mind huh? no it's true i read about it on my cat's twitter page that's why jay leno talked about it cbs reported on it and now you can see what all the buzz is about Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, and we're back. And uh, for those who are just now joining us, we're with Keith Benson, who's the president and the COO of Triple Crown Dog Academy. And we were just talking about how to structure your business. And so if you didn't get a chance to listen, go back to the podcast and listen to that because there was some really great information about how to structure your business so that you can, you know, as it relates to taxes, it relates to liability, as it relates to a lot of great, you know, things that you're going to want to know about aren't the fun parts of the business, but are definitely the things that are going to keep you out of trouble, hopefully. 
And so what I want to talk about now, Keith, is something, like I say, a complete shift from what we're talking about. It's my favorite topic, uh, one of my favorite topics, and uh, it's SEO. And not everyone might know, not every person listening, whether you're a dog trainer, groomer, pet sitter, dog walker, whatever, not everyone knows what SEO is. Can you tell us what SEO is? Yeah, search engine optimization. And we, we learned this one, uh, again, kind of the hard way when we're looking at our competitors out there. And uh, we, we were beginning our business, the, the birth of the Internet for businesses, so to speak. But there were mm-hmm. a couple of folks that caught on to search engine optimization before we did, and we're going into our uh, search engine and we're punching in, you know, dog training or dog boarding or whatever it might be, and we're noticing our competitors coming up, and we're looking and going, well, gosh, how come we're on the third page and they're mm-hmm. number one and number two? And how do we, you know, get our site up there? Do we have to pay to do that? You know, is it, you, you pay the Internet company to do that? You pay, yep. you know, yeah, who, who do you, Yahoo, or how do we get up there? And so, uh, you know, we went through, we started doing some research. We actually counseled with some folks that uh, were good at things like this and found out that, lo and behold, there's these great things called keywords that uh, are associated to uh, our business and things that mm-hmm. we're doing that we can structure our website so that if folks type that into their uh, search engine there, Google or whatever they're using, that uh, our website websites are more likely to uh, to come up higher to the top. And um, from there, it was just a little bit of trial and error over the years to, to get down to, uh, to a system that works well for us and uh, for our students coming through the academy. I really kind of emphasize the basics and just some nice, simple things to do because these folks are busy. They're out running their kennels. They're training. They're on the road. They're going to folks' houses. They don't really have the time to spit, sit down in front of the computer for two hours a day doing SEO. Okay. And so, you know, one question I consult with a lot of dog business owners, and one question they always give me is, how do you determine what the keywords are? And like I said, just to kind of reiterate, keywords are what people are typing into Google, Yahoo, MSN. Those are the words that people are typing into search engines. And those are obviously the words you want to get found for. How do you determine, Keith, what are good keywords that people should be targeting on their website? We look at the services that we provide. And I've got to, you got to think about these are the services I'm providing to my clients, to my potential clients. And mm-hmm. what words are they going to be typing in to find me? You know, if I don't do dog grooming, if I'm only a, a, a dog walker, you know, is dog grooming, is that an important keyword for me to put on there? Considering the limited amount of keywords that I might be able to have to put in there and to emphasize. So I really first try to take a look at the services that I'm offering and the things that are going to draw folks to my website, come up with a list and kind of weigh those based on what I'm providing to my clients. And then another thing that uh, I show our students here to do and that we do as well is we'll go to our competitor's website. We know who our competitors Mm -hmm. are in the local market or on the national or international market for us, and uh, we'll just view their source code. We'll go to Internet Explorer, we'll go view source, and it'll basically come up a word pad right there, and there'll be a little section called Meta Keywords, and we'll look and see what they think are important or what words, keywords, or they think are important for their business. So that's uh, one little trick you can kind of uh, use to, to see what other folks are, uh, are using within their website. And it might give mm-hmm. you a couple of words you'd never thought of before. And one other thing I'd like to add to that, there's a website, and uh, write this down for those that are listening. It's called KeywordSpy.com. Again, that's KeywordSpy.com, where you can do very much the same thing. You can see what keywords that people are being found for, you know, where they're being successful and being found. But you can also see the keywords that they're paying for with Google AdWords. And so Keyword Spy is a good one. But you're right, you know, just to kind of reiterate what you said, if you go to Internet Explorer or Firefox or anything like that, and you're on any web page, you can go to View 
that's at the top menu bar. And then if you go down, it says page source. And if you look at the page source, like Keith mentioned, there's going to be a, a thing that says meta tags, keywords, something like that. Key, usually it says keywords and then a list of keywords. And so if you see that somebody is consistently coming up ahead of you, why are they doing that? Check out their keywords. This is not unethical. This is very accepted practice. So, right, people don't need to think that they're doing something wrong by spying on other people's websites, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Once we get those keywords down, we kind of decide uh, these are the keywords we'd like to sprinkle on our website. You know, the real trick here, as you know, is these um, uh, Google and MSN, you know, they're, they're using their algorithms to, to try and rank these websites based on the keywords that are in there. Uh, then the important thing is, well, where do I put these keywords? Um, and I'm, I'm sure that there's advancements made on this every single week for our folks out here. <laughs> I, I try to yep. keep it pretty simple on where those go. Um, and I tell them title, which is your blue bar across the top of the screen. And if you're looking at a lot of websites out there, uh, you'll notice that uh, it's blank. It says Internet Explorer and nothing else up there whatsoever. We found for optimizing our websites that that blue bar up top, uh, putting the keywords in there, for example, our local business here, uh, dog training Austin, that's one of the top keyword phrases. So it's not only one word that um, you have to consider when you're thinking of your keywords. It's, it's two or three word phrases. And one of the things that we like to do in our business is put in the the name of the town where you're located. So dog Mm -hmm. training Austin, dog boarding Austin, dog kennel Austin. Because if I go in and just put in dog training, uh, if I'm a consumer and I'm located in Jackson, Mississippi, if I put in dog training, well, I'm going to get dog training from all over the United States, all over the United States. But if I'm looking for, say, a boarding kennel in Jackson, Mississippi, what I'm going to type in? Dog boarding Jackson. Yep. Jackson Dog Kennel, something like that. So uh, I really try to emphasize putting in uh, your local town or even your state that you're in if you're trying to uh, draw from, uh, from, the, from the entire state. But for a service-provided business like we're offering uh, in dog training, boarding, grooming, and things like that, most of your folks are going to be coming from the town you're in. So I like putting sure. that uh, up in the title there. And look at your market because you live in Texas and Austin is a big market, but then you've got Houston, then you've got you know Dallas. You couldn't do what I do here in Utah, for example. My dog training business, I put in Utah dog training because Utah right. by itself is such a smaller market. I can put the state name and get a lot of traffic from that. Whereas if you put in Texas dog training, you guys could get away with it because you're such a big company. But most dog training companies could not get away with that because – you know, if you're in one part of Texas, and if I recall correctly, it might take you 20 hours to drive across Texas. You don't want to. That's be. about right. And so, you don't necessarily want to be found for Texas dog training. You want to be found for Austin dog training. You want to be found for Chicago dog training, not uh, you know somewhere down south in Peoria or wherever. You want to be found for the location that you're looking for, unless your market is such. That, I imagine in New Hampshire, you could do what I do here in Utah, and you can go after New Hampshire dog training. I imagine in you know in, in plenty of areas you could, but but yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Look at the market that you're in and adjust accordingly. So so you've got it in the title. Where else do you put your keywords? So we'll put them in the URL as well. You know, the, having keywords in the uh, URL isn't as important, I think, as other places. Um, mm-hmm. One of our businesses we have our school for professional dog trainers. Um, the keyword, strongest keyword phrase for us is school for dog trainers because folks are looking for a school for dog trainers. So when we chose a URL for our business, we chose school for dog trainers. And uh, depending on the algorithm that's being used, that does seem to help. That being said, I wouldn't pick a URL, uh, your um, you know, 
based on something that doesn't sound good or something that's not memorable. But if it happens to tie in, uh, using that for your uh, your domain name, uh, I think that's good. Uh, the text in the website, the actual text you're using, uh, that's a very important place for it to be. Um, and this may have changed somewhat recently, but uh, the last I can recall, you know, you're probably looking at at least a hundred words or so uh, that you want your keywords uh, sprinkled throughout, and you really don't want to repeat those keywords or keyword phrases more than two or three times. Seems like the right. algorithms don't like that. If you're sprinkling them in there too heavy, then um, there's a potential that your website's not going to come up at all. If you're kind of manipulating the system, putting in dog training Austin, dog training Austin, dog training Austin, right. kind of over and over again. And you have to consider your viewer as well. If they're looking at your website and they're reading that text, they're trying to decide, is this a company that I'm going to want to do business with? Well, you know, you want to make sure that your website is optimized so that there are keywords in there, but it also has to convey the services that you're providing. And it has to be professional, and it has to make the uh, potential consumer want to engage in a business with you. And, and I wanted to point that out because, you know, years ago, I don't even, you know, 10 years ago, something like that, if somebody wanted to be found as the dog trainer in Austin, that's all they had to do. They had to make a page and say, dog training Austin, dog training Austin, dog over and over and over. Like a gateway page, then it would just flip you over to the real website. Yeah, but as the search engines have become more intelligent, and as you mentioned, the algorithms have become much more you know intuitive. You can't do that. It's called the Google slap. Google will slap you for doing that. Google will say you're trying to manipulate us. No chance. You're not even getting found at all. And so it's not a spiteful thing. But these search engines, they want their users to have the best experience, so that they keep coming back to these search engines. So they only want to provide the most valuable content to those who are looking for it. And that, that's just another point that, uh, that you've kind of made. Make sure it's in your content and make sure that your content is valuable. That way Google says, hey, let's send people to this website because people are going to have a good user experience going to this website and they're going to keep coming back to us, Google, and using our services. So, so in any case, any other good tips on keywords that you use? We know we talked about meta keywords earlier and that's just basically in the programming of your website. In the HTML, we talked about going to view source and you can see the meta keywords. Um, that's a good place to put the keywords. Uh, the meta description, that's also in your HTML, and oftentimes, depending on uh, if it's Google or MSN, when you type in for you know dog training uh, Utah, if uh, your business comes up there, the little description that's underneath the, the hyperlink right there, that's the meta description. So again, like we were talking about text, when you want to put your keywords in there, it's important to have keywords in there, but it's also important to have a phrase that's going to make someone want to click on that link and go to your business. Another location that uh, I'll typically tell people that uh, would be a good place to put keywords are image tags. So if you've got images on your website, instead of having it, you know, one, two, three, four, five, ABC dot JPEG, dot JPEG uh, yeah. have it, uh, you know, dog agility dot JPEG. Um, and that's going to help that picture pop up uh, possibly over in Google Images as well. Excellent. Okay. This is all excellent information. I'm finding myself, Keith, that uh, we're gonna, I'm going to have to invite you back for another show because we're running out of time. But there's so much good information in here. I wanted to say a huge thank you for coming on. Now, you guys offer a ton of services. Could you, before we finish, can you real quick mention what these services are and the websites associated with those services so that if someone wants to be a dog trainer, if somebody's interested in you know, what you guys are doing, that they can find you? Sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, Our first business, we started off a boarding and training facility that's located here in the Austin. In Texas area, one of the largest boarding and training facilities in the United States, a little over 200 kennels, host dog shows on the weekend, and you can find out about us at triplecrowndogs.com. 
about uh, eight years ago, we had an offshoot of that, and we started a school for professional dog trainers. Now we have students who come to us from literally around the world who learned how to be dog trainers, typically stay with us for about uh, 16 weeks, live on property, and uh, just get enmeshed in all things dogs and learn everything from basic obedience to search and rescue police dogs, sport dog work, and uh, everything in between. And that's schoolfordogtrainers.com. And then about five years ago, uh, from working with folks in the industry, we started a pet product business. We were doing testing for some folks on pet products and came up with a couple of our own. Uh, have several patented products, and uh, we sell those uh, throughout the world. Have a warehouse in Germany. We sell in PetSmart, Petco, Walmart, and places like that. And uh, those products are all interactive puzzle-type items uh, that keep biz- uh, dogs busy and uh, home and out of the shelters, you know. Uh, and that's about mm-hmm. dogtraining.com. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Keith, for being on the show. You've been, like I say, just a wealth of information on here. And so thanks again for being on the show and for the information you provided. Great. Thanks for having me, Ty. And uh, anytime, I'd love to come back and talk a little more. All right. We'd love to have you. And so for those listening, if you have questions or comments or ideas for a show, please email me at ty at petliferadio.com or visit my website, which is sixfiguredogbusiness.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.